So if you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 4. So I cannot tell you what page number it is on. And the green Bibles here. 517. Thanks, Elsie. So uh, last week, Peter uh, helped us to understand that in God's view, waiting is a gift, an act of mercy on our behalf, uh, which is not the way that we typically receive it, right? Uh, most of us, as uh, Marie has you know, prayed in that poem, have a life that is full of other things. Uh, and so when the moment comes and we act, and it's time to be ready, it's almost like a shock that hits us. I had this experience a week or two ago when I was at the acupuncture appointment, and if you're my friend on Facebook, you might have seen a Facebook status about this, because I was stuck laying because one needle would not leave my body for three hours, and I was waiting, waiting, waiting Every time the uh, practitioner came in, I anticipated this needle coming out. And as it did not move, I had to come to terms with this was where I was. And I had to come to terms with all of the stuff that's inside of me that I could no longer avoid. Right? The scope of the problem is in here. And when we are in places of waiting, that is what comes to the surface. Because we are put in a position where there's nothing else. Nothing else. But maybe some heat packs to try to cook that baby out. If you've had acupuncture, you know what I'm talking about. I have this relationship with a couple of retreat centers around, uh, around in different places that I've lived. And every time I go to one, uh, I always hear this story about people who uh, decide to go on a personal retreat on their own. And they show up and the high percentage of them that leave earlier than they planned on leaving. Because they go to a place where they are told to do nothing and wait to see what God will do, and they don't like it. Because again, the scope of the problem is out there, yes, but it's also in here. So hear these words from the prophet, Isaiah 40. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revered, revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, you herald of good tidings to Zion. Lift up your voice with strength, you herald of good tidings to Jerusalem. Lift it up and do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of the Lord. So this is prophetic poetry. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through it through the stanzas. You learned about chiastic structure last week, so that's kind of cool. This week we're going to think about uh, each of these different sections of the poem, and I'm going to highlight a couple of uh, other techniques. But remember that this original community of people are people who are in exile, people who are no longer living in their homeland, people who are under the thumb and the power of the Babylonian Empire, people who have been taken from their homes. And not just them, but generations. This is 45 years of being in exile. Generations of people who are under the weight of God's action because of their sinfulness. The prophet Jeremiah promised the people of God that they would receive double the punishment for their sinfulness as they continued in their ways. And now the prophet says here, comfort your time is done. God has decided it is time to reconcile. God has decided, not because the people are repentant, not because they have proven themselves worthy in some way, but because God has decided that it is time for them to remember and follow him as their covenant God. Comfort, comfort my people. These are the first words of the second book of, that makes up Isaiah, the second, the new kind of setting. Everything in chapters 1 through 39 are all about like reminding them this call to repentance and punishment, but now it turns and it looks forward to the promise of what God will do. Comfort, comfort my people. And there are still calls to repentance and preparation all throughout it, but it changes to be this overwhelming message of God's love coming because God has decided it is time to be reconciled. God has decided not to be reconciled, but to reconcile his people to himself. And so he uses this language that when the Israelites hear it and when we hear it, we should hear the covenant, the agreement, the promises that God has never broken to be our God, 
and we, his people. My people, says your God, comfort. Speak tenderly to those who might have lost their way, who have maybe lost sight of the powerful God after these 45 years of waiting and wondering. Comfort. God has decided it is time to reconcile. Verse 3 tells us what is this waiting time now going to be about. Prepare the way of the Lord. In the wilderness, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley lifted up, every mountain and hill laid low. The rough places smoothed out so that the glory of the Lord will shine, so that there is no obstacle to seeing our God. Remember in the Old Testament, glory is the language of presence. So there is no obstacle to the presence of God in our midst. Prepare to receive. Now the promise to people in exile is not that je- just that God will come to them. The promise to the people in exile is that God will come to them and lead them home. Lead them back to Jerusalem, to Zion, to the place where the good tidings will be proclaimed. So God is saying, prepare to receive me and prepare to follow me. Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness where people are searching and seeking and needing. Get rid of all of the obstacles that can stand in the way to the reception of our God. And that starts here getting rid of the obstacles in our own lives. And it goes all the way to fill that scope of the problem. Getting rid of the obstacles in our world that keep others from knowing and experiencing the glorious presence of our God. So God says, I am coming with comfort Prepare to receive me so that when I come, you are ready to follow me where I will take you to go. For the Israelites, that was back home to the promised land. And for us, it is into this world with the kingdom of our God. We prepare ourselves to receive so that when God comes, we are ready to follow him. There's that parable, right, in the, in the Gospels where Jesus, where it's the parables of the, the, the women with the lamps. And some run out of oil while they're waiting because they were not prepared for the waiting. And so when the bridegroom came, They could not follow him into the party. Our waiting is a time of expectant and anticipatory waiting 
which means active waiting, actively waiting to receive so as to follow God to our home. Prepare, because the mouth of the Lord has spoken, and God's promises always come to be. Verse 6, the prophet says, What shall I cry when he is told to cry out? And he is given this message about the finitude of humanity, the weakness of human beings, the fleetingness of our time here on earth, as well as the fleetingness of our power, because the grass withers and the flowers fade, and the breath of the Lord can blow on them, bringing death and destruction. The breath of the Lord, which is also this life-giving, the same word that breathes all that there is into existence is the same breath that's talked about in this passage of taking life. What comfort is that? It is the comfort that comes to people who are under oppression to be reminded that their oppressor and their enemy is no match for the power of our God. That even here, humanity will not be an obstacle to God coming to bring comfort. So people in exile think, how are we going to escape to be able to go home? And the prophet is told to cry out to them about how those people who are holding them are just as human as they are. And it is God whose wind will blow, whose spirit will move to bring down these obstacles that stand in the way of his covenant-keeping promises. So verse 9. There's a translation difference in people's opinions here, and I read what I think it is, but if you're reading in the NRSV, they translate it a different way. And the text that you're reading in front of you, it has Zion being the one who proclaims the good news. It has the city of Jerusalem as the one that proclaims the good news. But the text is not clear on that. And more people say that it actually should read that the good news is being proclaimed to Jerusalem. That their, their families are coming home. That their children and the promise of the future, the hope that they build their identities on, are coming back to them. And so go up to the high mountain tops and... You, who are the herald of good tidings to Zion, you lift up your voice with strength to to Jerusalem to be the herald of good tidings to them. Lift it up without fear and say to the cities of Judah, here is your God, that you that is told to do that is in the feminine singular. 
So the feminine singular, so it's a, a woman who's being told to go up and declare that this work of God is coming to be and that hope can be laid in this promise of the comfort of God, that hope can be laid in the, pre the preparation work of the people of God, that God's word has gone out and does not come back empty. The feminine singular that goes out to proclaim with confidence and without fear and with loudness for all to hear good news. Good news. The first time in Isaiah that that word good tidings, good news, that gospel is proclaimed. Good news. Comfort is on its way. Prepare yourself to receive it so that when you are comforted, you may go where comfort leads you. Comfort that comes so as to be extended. Comfort that does not stay here in the scope of the problem of our lives, but goes from us to the scope of the problem in the world as the Spirit's breath and wind blows through his people. So go up to that high mountain and proclaim this good news that the mighty arm and the powerful God, verses 9 through 11, describe this God this way, comes with the same God whose other arm is one of compassion and love. One who, like a shepherd, cares for the flock who watches over the littlest of sheep and lambs and those who nurse them as they grow, who carries them close and provides comfort by holding them near his heart. The Lord God comes with might and he comes with love, tenderness, gentleness, provision, At Advent, we are people who remember that this was a word for the people of God at that time, and it continues to be a word for us today. It's a word that looked to the end of the people's exile then, proclaimed the truth of Jesus that has already happened, and continues to guide us in the way that we prepare to receive Christ again. We prepare to receive the second coming of Jesus when all comfort will be revealed, when all comfort will be established. And so like John the Baptist who said, I am the one who comes to prepare the way of the Lord through a baptism of repentance, we become people who in our waiting commit ourselves to preparation. Commit ourselves to repentance. Commit ourselves to preparing the way of the Lord by building his kingdom here on earth, by spreading those kingdom values so that when obstacles are standing in the way of people receiving and hearing the good news, the mountains are laid low. 
the mountains of poverty and addiction and racism and greed are laid low, and the valleys of depression and strife and war and genocide are filled in so that the glory and the presence of God can fill all that there is for God's people to be part of the shining and the declaring the good news in this world. And like that feminine singular voice that goes up to the mountaintop to declare to Jerusalem the good news, we have Mary who declared and gave birth to the Savior of the world, who with confidence declared that she believed what God, the, God's angel had told her was true, with obedience said, may it be so, and then sang a song of praise about preparing to receive the upside-downness that Jesus was bringing, where the mighty are laid low and those in need are lifted up. She being the first one in the Gospels to proclaim the good news of the coming of the Savior. She who teaches us the way of obedience. She who teaches us the way of trusting that Jesus truly is the Savior and Lord of all that there is. She who showed us what it means to declare with clarity and without fear who our Savior is. So as we prepare to receive the coming of our King, as we let ourselves wait and have all of the ugliness be before us, both in our lives and in this world. As we follow the way of John the Baptist in confessing our sins, and this is the cool, I just, I can't get over this. When John would baptize people through the Jordan River, he would start them on the Jordan side going into the promised land so that they reenacted the entrance into the promised land of the people of God. So they remembered that they were not just doing this for the forgiveness of their sins, but were doing this because they were called to be a certain kind of people whose identity was formed in the work of God to deliver and lead them home. And what we know is that our home is here. This, this earth This land, this place is part of what God will do, will make into the new heaven and new earth. And so we don't have to go back to the promised land because God has now told us that all of this is the promised land. And so we prepare, we prepare to join God in his return in the new heaven and new earth by trying to make it as much like that new heaven and earth as we can, where God's glory can shine where everyone can be comforted, where all will know the tenderness and the provision of our God. May the Holy Spirit's breath blow with life power and not destruction power 
because of how we're spending our time preparing. Amen.